You're listening to the Edge of Learning Podcast, episode number one, Creation Story. Welcome to the Edge of Learning Podcast, the podcast that takes you inside the Edge Microschool, a school of just under 100 students in the Liberty, Missouri Public School District. Edge has a focus on a global curriculum, uses competency-based assessment, and emphasizes project-based learning. My name is Dr. Eric Langhorst. I'm a teacher in the EDGE program, and in each episode, my goal is to give you insight on a particular aspect of EDGE. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now, let's get started. So, starting out with episode number one, we have our two um, creators of EDGE, if you'd like to call them that, uh, Dr. Adams and uh, Dr. Wickham. So I uh, would like to have you guys tell us a little bit about the creation of EDGE. And I, I think from listening in the past, it is truly a back of the napkin type of creation story. So um, Dr. Adams, can you tell us a little bit about how EDGE came about? Absolutely. Um, well, Dr. Tucker is a very progressive superintendent. And one of the challenges that he laid out before us uh, was to really uh, really evaluate um, how we structure high school and is there a way to restructure, reimagine what high school could look like. And um, Dr. Moore, uh, super supportive, was part of what, established part of what's called the high school study team. And within that team was a several different um, subcommittees. And part of the subcommittee process was leaving to learn. And so we were able to go and look at a variety of amazing locations and schools and setups around the United States. And um, uh, Dr. Wickham and I were actually coming back from a visit at High Tech High, and we just started having some really good conversations about the what if of in the creation process. And um, one of my passions is uh, stems from my personal my personal growth, my personal life, and that is I grew up overseas, and there is an incredible power in being able to be in other cultures and be in other countries, and to um, have that productive struggle to figure out um, the, the different nuances within different societies, um, but also there's so much. Um, there's so much, I would say, affirmation of understanding how, as human beings, no matter where we are in geographically in the world, um, there are certain things that we have in common. And that's kind of one of the, the brilliancies of traveling is seeing the similarities and differences, learning appreciation, um, and seeing where you can contribute. You know, what, what can I do to make the world a better place? So uh, back to the story on the airplane ride, uh, Dr. Wickham and I were chatting about what if, what if we, what if we could start a global micro school? And um, we were like planning and having these dreams and then we, we didn't have any resources. So we took a cocktail napkin from, from the, the soda pop that they had passed out on the airplane and we just started uh, mind mapping what this could look like and what would it, what what the conceptualization of how could we create an opportunity for a global experience in a public high school so that all students who chose to could have access to learning at a global level and that was the end in mind 
um, most of the global 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 schools that are out there are privately um, privately private institutions, and they're extremely expensive. So there is a there is a um, you know there's a barrier of the monetary um, monetary the monetary structures. Some of them are, uh, start at twenty thousand. Some of them go all the way up to forty thousand dollars a school year. And um, you know, public education is something that both Dr. Wickham and I are very passionate about. Um, it is the great equalizer. And so, how do we create this so that any kid can have access to learning about the world and and how they can change and impact the world, but also have opportunities to then go to um, leaving to learn so that they can experience the world. So yeah. what what year was that when you were first conceptualizing this when you're coming back from high? 2019? Or maybe, yeah, probably around 2019. Yeah, I think it was 2019 because 2020 we had started the process and then um, we had a global pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, great time to start like a brand new concept right? <laughs> uh, when everything changes. So, so you have this vision. Um, it's on a cocktail napkin. Um, a lot of people listening are probably wondering how do you how do you transform the, that idea into a, a physical place um, and just kind of the the structures that you have to do ahead of opening a micro school like this. Mm-hmm. So. I think going through that process of questioning why, why, why are we, why do we want kids to engage in high school? What do we want out of it? Why do we do things the way that we do? Um, was super powerful for us, and one of the outcomes that we were really wanting to achieve is that, you know, once you leave high school, problem solving and real world engagement isn't separated by disciplines. Um, once you leave high school, you don't go to English every day at a certain time and math every day at a certain time. And if you're trying to solve problems, you're likely pulling upon ideas and knowledge from all those different disciplines. And so we wanted to figure out how can we create a structure of school that that mimics that and that is uh, similar to what students are going to experience when they leave high school um, and go into the workforce. And so we really just started unpacking you know, what would it take to create that kind of learning experience? Um, What would it take to really function in an interdisciplinary, more problem-based, project-based format? And so, uh, one, we were really looking at just the structures of the BELL schedule. Um, Is there a way that teachers could be able to work together in an interdisciplinary format, co-teach when it's appropriate, And so we really started thinking of this idea of how can learning drive the schedule rather than the schedule driving the learning. And so that led us on a journey of really trying to think about personalized scheduling at a high school level. So our teachers team, they do have a common plan period, uh, but then they have the autonomy to build out a week and offer sessions for students um, in ways that make sense for the learning. And then our students have a personalized scheduling structure. That's taken a lot of iteration over the last um, kind of what we thought it could look like to um, throughout our first year and then how it looks like now. Um, And I think that same process has happened with every aspect of EDGE. So when we think about the curriculum process, we really had to um, kind of break down and deconstruct uh, what high school courses are intending to achieve 
what are the outcomes that we want from our students and how can we repackage those in a way that is project-based, relevant to solving real-world global issues um, and draws upon the different disciplines in authentic ways. So for us, wanting to focus on global topics, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals uh, as well as the global competencies from the Center for Global Education were a really great foundation for us to think about how can we frame the learning around these topics and these skill sets uh, because they really apply to all disciplines. So it's been a lot of iteration and I think uh, we have an amazing team of teachers and really creating that uh, collaborative environment where people feel like they are trusted to think about ideas and question and create and then iterate. Um, we've had a lot of uh, trial and error, but um, you know, it's been amazing to see edge shift from this idea on a cocktail napkin to now we're in our second year and just the opportunities that our kids are getting and the way that they're getting to experience school is it's just amazing it is so exciting to see and i i cannot um i cannot brag enough about dr wickham's leadership and her incredible thinking process and innovative mindset because she truly has been a trailblazer in um, the, the thought process, the pragmatic logistical processes, and then just being extremely mindful and kind in her approach of um, engaging in conversations that challenge a system. And um, so it's been, I'm very proud of her and I'm very proud of the work that she's, she continues to do and she's an incredible leader. She's a truly incredible leader. Okay, well if you're gonna brag on me, I gotta brag on you. <laughs> <laughs> I think, though, for anybody thinking about starting a micro school, uh, Dr. Adams, she's very gracious, but she has a lot of strengths that she's brought to this process. One, helping us think about from a systems level, and Dr. Moore as well, the resource piece. Um, I feel like we've we've been done this in a very lean way um, in many regards, but um, Dr. Adams, I tell her that I really appreciate her because she rarely tells us no. Um, and so she's she's incredible at helping the team find the resources they need to do the work that we need to do. Um, and, and not being stuck in tradition or status quo or, you know, that, it, that it's okay to question and to create in different ways and that learning can look different. And I think for anybody wanting to rethink how school looks, uh, it's super important to have that support from your upper levels of leadership. Um, it makes a tremendous difference. And uh, so anybody at the district level or a, a lead principal, I think um, challenging your folks to have a solid plan and have rationales for what they want to do is super important, but also being supportive and not scared to say yes. Um, and allowing those opportunities for exploration. We were really fortunate that um, we were doing some work at the time with Getting Smart, and we happened to be at the same time doing some construction in our building and relocating our performing arts department to um, some new facilities. And I'll never forget Tom Vanderark doing a walkthrough of that wing of the building and saying, 
this could be a really great area for a micro school. Have you thought about that? And so just all of this, there was a lot of synergy around the way things came together. And uh, But Dr. Adams, I mean, she took that journey and that risk and um, allowed us to develop it with that idea in mind. And it's really awesome to see the result of that. You're kind. I also, uh, I think the shout out needs to go to Dr. Tucker, Dr. Beth Heidi, and uh, Dr. Moore, because they um, they were willing to invest in the innovation uh, of construction. And um, our district had, had just gone through, or was at the hindsight of a, a bond, and there was uh, money set aside for innovation, innovation. And so as a upper leadership team, they made the decision that the money could be allocated towards the construction of the micro school. And so when we're talking about the physical plant, what what you know what we as a you know at what they at the at the district level and then we as the building level really wanted to create a space that did not feel like school, did not look like school and truly honored the higher levels of of engagement and and maturity that we wanted to see from our students. And so creating a space that students can learn in that is um, a non-traditional setup for school, for what we see as a traditional school, um, but also a space that's somewhat grown up and um, has the higher end features that really complement, we, uh, complements the thinking and the learning that we want from our students. And um, I I feel like, I feel like we nailed it. I feel like um, you know the view is a beautiful structure, um, and within the stru- the actual physical plant, there was intentionality in the planning that if we're going to create a global micro school, then let's look at the features that inform our our world, our Earth, and so the color schemes were were um, selected to represent water, wind, fire, land, um, and I'm a super big like cheesoid. Um, I love the fifth element and so those are the four elements and um, I look at our students as the fifth element. Um, And so you know for me I love that because when we're looking at that space we have different different colors, different kinds of media, different very earth tone, um, um, very uh, textiles and it creates uh, it creates curiosity and um, and that's really important because if you have a space that fosters curiosity, curiosity will be fostered. And that's what's happening in this this um, physical space. Um, and then you know, because the space is so so wonderful, the students take great care of it. And um, and and that so that's nice. I mean, it's it, it becomes a it becomes a village and the village is cared for by the villagers. And so it's a community. I think what you're illustrating to April is that it's okay to question everything because when you walk into the the view where Edge is located, it doesn't look like a traditional classroom space. And so, you know, in creating Edge, one of our ideas and thinking about how do we make truly authentic, problem-based, project-based learning that's interdisciplinary, you know, why do our teachers 
get assigned to a classroom and that's where they teach all day, every day. So just really thinking about why. And for us, we decided that didn't make sense. The view, um, you know, the, the design of it, each space kind of has different functions. And so we really wanted to think about, again, how can the use of time and space serve the function of learning and what the teachers and students need to accomplish in that that space. And so um, our team of teachers, they don't have their own set classroom. Uh, it is really a shared communal space. And sometimes that creates some challenges and we've worked through those. But I think overall they would say that it has a lot of advantages and that they like they like working together and they like that flexibility and what it does for the learning process. And so the name The View actually was intentional. Uh, Dr. Wickham and I sat down and we were just like, what could this be? Um, positioning in the building, it kind of is in a space that actually has an incredible view of the exterior and the, and the fields of, the, of, the facil- of, our, of our school. Um, but also it was intentional of, we want The View to be a location where we are exploring different points of view. And EDGE is perfect for that because we're empowering discovery of the global experience in a space that fosters points of view. And so the intentionality of design goes all the way into just, you know, the, the program title, the space. Um, but that's the fun part. I mean, that's the fun part of wrestling with if we get the chance to reinvent something, let's do it. Let's just, you know, reinvent it to, to the nth degree. So, like, the origin of the name, I mean, how did you guys, I mean, did you mm. wrestle with that a lot? Were there a lot of different options? Like, how did, the, how did the name Edge come about? So, I remember after the cocktail, napkin, airplane event, I, I mean, a couple weekends later, I remember just opening up a Google Doc and kind of pouring out all these ideas that we had talked about. Um, in our district, we have an elementary school that is very project-based, and its name is Epic. And I've just always, like, that name has really caught on in our community. Um, and so I don't, I don't specifically remember how we came up with the acronym for EDGE, um, but I just remember thinking, like, this is it. You kind of want to take people to the edge of their learning comfort zones, um, explore those, the edge of perspective, so to speak. Dr. Tucker talks a lot about the edge of vision. Um, and so I think it's, it's a name that is simple and people remember. I think it reflects well what, what students get to experience. Um, but then the acronym of, you know, exploring discovery of the global experience is like that captures it. So um, I don't know that that acronym is super memorable, but EDGE is memorable. <laughs> and in, um, in, in, in true Dr. Wickham humble fashion, um, the name was her brainchild. And so she did a fantastic job coming up with the, uh, the reason why the name was so powerful. And when she pitched it, I was like, you nailed it. You can't see me blushing on a podcast. <laughs> so one quick question about the pandemic. So obviously wheels are in motion. You've got this idea, the world stops in March, previous to when you're gonna open the micro school. 
Um, there's been a lot talked about, you know, what was lost during the pandemic and those things in education. What's something that you think, or is there anything that you think might have helped Edge grow during that year when you open up this micro school and we're in a completely different environment with kids wearing masks and, you know, the pandemic is still a major, a major thing that's happening. Is there any positives that came out of that experience? I, I would say that one of the things that the what the pandemic allowed us was because it stopped time and it made us reevaluate how we could do school, it gave us time to see that we can redo school. Um, we, you know, we worked with um, soliciting interest, and I believe that was pre-pandemic, we were soliciting interest and from so, students from 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 staff oh yes yeah yeah so from staff so pre-pandemic we were sent getting the information out there and, and dr moore is just absolutely fantastic in supporting and making sure you know she's asking those you know higher level system questions um and so we opened it up to anybody who wanted to think about being a part of the edge faculty to apply and so as middle school and high school if you had the credentialing you know we knew we needed some core teachers because that's largely, um, you know, what you have to get through with for for um, high. You still have to work within high school graduation requirements, um, and so we were so, um, you know, we were just we were we were just fortunate because the people that applied, um, one, they wanted to be there. Two, they have a they have a connection with, um, and they're passionate about. Um, you know, service and global issues. And um, the pandemic provided us with some time so we could start having converse, philosophical conversations and having meetings and talking about structure and, and what learning could look like and how this could be. And we functioned from the what if stance and if you, if you dream it, you can build it. Um, and it was a wing and a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was like, okay, now we got we got we got a teacher team. How do we get our student team? And so, doing the promotions when we were coming back in a kind of a hybrid model, that was very interesting because you're trying to promote something that doesn't exist yet, coming out of something that was really scary, and projecting into, you know, the hope of making something better. And um, I think that the team uh, under Dr. Wickham's leadership did a fantastic job marketing, sharing, um, and I'm so grateful to our community because they trusted. And um, you know, the inaugural class occurred, and there was just a lot of community trust that we're gonna we're gonna make at the end of the day we're gonna make sure kids are okay, obviously, mm -hmm. and that learning is um, at a high level. Um, but the parents trusted us to do learning in a completely different framework, and that was cool. I think, too, in a, I don't know that I really thought about it in this way, but one, the pandemic was an opportunity for our students to really experience a global crisis, crisis issue firsthand. Um, and so I think for some students, it probably maybe piqued an interest in other global issues and thinking about the world. Uh, so I think that was maybe a, a benefit in a way. And I also think that 
Um, because of the way the pandemic disrupted learning, I think that there were definitely students who were really attracted to this idea of a smaller school environment, um, a team of teachers, uh, and, and just really being part of a learning community that is most of my school day. Um, and for some students, I think that was a really great transition from virtual learning to hybrid learning to then getting to come into EDGE. And one of the things that's been really um, awesome to see that was maybe an unexpected outcome uh, is just the design of the space, the way learning functions. We really had a lot of students share with us last year that uh, their anxiety and stress about school was was different in a positive way, uh, and they really felt like they were um, being given the tools and the agency to personalize and manage their learning in a way that was beneficial for their health and their wellness. And you know, mental wellness and mental health is a it's a big concern for everyone for our for our teens right now, and so. Um, we, we just want to keep exploring that piece and how can we continue to create opportunities for students to to feel that way about school. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Adams, Dr. Wickham. This is the first episode. Uh, there was a lot of topics in there that we're going to dive into further scheduling, uh, competencies, how we do assessment, the, the physical space, I mean, all different kinds of things. So um, if this was interesting, uh, stay tuned and we're gonna dive in deeper on uh, some other topics. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please let us know if you have any questions or a topic that you'd like us to tackle on the podcast. You can find out more about EDGE by checking us out online at www.lps53.org backslash EDGE or the official podcast page at www edgeoflearningpodcast.com. Both of those sites have our contact information. You can also follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at LPS Edge, where we provide lots of updates, links, and photos of the incredible things that our students are doing. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks.